to you, those of you that are visiting us, special word of, of welcome to you this morning. We hope that you have a great time, and not only a great time, but that you will ex- really experience God this morning. It's, um, it's uh, almost, um, uh, it, it's a very new experience for me. For two weeks, I've been, been preparing a particular message. We were going to start a series this morning um, leading up into Christmas. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And this morning at prayer, um, as we were praying and standing there, God just came to me and started talking to me. And initially I said, <laughs> I don't think I want to do this, God. And I uh, said so to people, listen, pray with me. I feel God is saying that there's something else that He wants to speak to us about this morning. And um, uh, every person that came to me confirmed that, yeah, there's something else that God needs to speak to us about this morning. So, uh, uh, I apologize, <laughs> but at the same time, I really just have such an expectation because I know that every morning, anyone that's here, it's because God has a particular appointment with you and with each one of us that, that comes here on a, on a Sunday morning. But this morning, I feel that it's so much greater this morning that if you ended up this morning coming to every nation in Linwood, it's because God has something specifically that He wants to share with us and that He wants to say to you, that He wants to come and change within us. And it's because He's got a purpose with what He wants to do because His Word says that His, His Word is like the rain that falls and it comes and it falls on the earth and it does not return without changing there where it's fallen. And that means that the word that's going to fall in your heart this, this morning through the broken words that I may be expressing means that it is from God and it is because God wants to do something with you specifically. So I want to ask you to just join me in prayer and we're going to open up our hearts and we open up our minds with what God wants us to do. Oh. Yes, Father, thank you that we come to you this morning, Father. We come to you with fear, Father but also with expectation, Father, to know that you want to speak to each one of us, Father. And we want to ask you this morning, what is it that you want to do through our lives, Jesus? What is the meaning and the purpose that you have for us, Father? The attitude of the mind and of the heart that you want us to go out of the service this morning. Will you come and change us? And will you help us to open up our hearts and open our minds for what you want to come in and do? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's an amazing time of year that's, um, that's uh, in many ways, is, it's almost like a relief wants to creep in in your heart about a hard year that we've had and a hard more than two years that we've actually had. And we sort of look towards a, a time of Christmas and resting and getting together with family and some of us are looking forward to a holiday um, or some rest. But it also comes with a lot of anxiety, a lot of expectation, and it's almost like this time of the year, this season that we're in, almost is like a magnifying glass that, you know, emphasizes whatever is going on in our lives. And particularly when it comes to things that makes us anxious and makes us fearful, if we talk about things like relational dysfunction, if we talk about things that are not 100% right in our lives, this is not always a great time of the year, but it's also an opportunity for us to sort of take stock of where we've been this year, what's been happening in our lives, what the season is that we are in and where we're going to in the next year. And um, we can't deny 
the things that have been happening in this past week in our country and in our own lives. And I'm, and I'm sure that there are not many of us that by Thursday evening, you know, we really had a lot of feelings of anxiety about what's going on with our president and what's going on in our country. And you could immediately, in the conversation that you have with people, you could hear that there was anxiety that has crept in, and it has many particular forms. And we have to acknowledge that the time that we are living in today in this country is extremely difficult. Things are not easy. It doesn't help to say to each other, oh, don't worry, there's no problem, it's great, we're going. we know that it's difficult. And we know that if you sit here and every nation, Linwood, and you've got particular problems, you're also very aware of the fact that our lives, probably the most of us, the majority of us, our lives are really much better than the majority of people in our, in our country. And that's not really something that makes us usually feel thankful or hopeful, but it is a reality that we are living in. And on Wednesday and on Thursday, when the news started coming through about what's happening to our president, you have these feelings about, well, what is going to happen to us? You know, because despite the fact that we know that even the last few years, you know, of the current government and everything not necessarily being perfect and there being another problems, it's almost a thing of, well, I mean, we'd rather have what we have now because if we don't have what we have now, it might even be worse in the next month or two months, or six months, or a year to come. And there's a lot of us that have got a lot of anxiety about it. And I find that in my conversations with people, you hear that anxiety, and you hear that fear, and I also find that people don't know what to do. There's a desperation in people of not knowing what they can do about the situation that we find ourselves in. And Ilza and I also, you know, immediately, you know, it starts becoming part of our conversations about what it is that we can do and what is it particular, what does this mean for us as South Africans, but more particularly for us, if you come to this church, you're more likely a believer, or perhaps you came to this church this morning because you are interested in things concerning faith, and you're also interested to hear, well, what do Christians say about these things, and how do Christians approach these these things, because if we do believe in God and everything that the Bible tells us, it means that God must have an answer to whatever it is we're going through, because this Word of God is not only applicable to things that happen in history, it's applicable to things that happen in history, in our immediate history, in the present day where we are today, but also for the, for the future. And so the message that I believe that God has for each one of us this morning is really one of hope. And that's what I want you to hear this morning, is that if we ever walk away from the biblical message of hope and of joy that God has for us in the future, we really have to ask ourselves where it is that we're walking, what it is that we are listening to, how it is that we are living, because we are supposed to be bringers and beacons of hope in a dying and desperate world where God wants to make a change and wants to make a difference through our lives. And that's what we want. If we, if we talk about these things and we listen and we start thinking about these things and having these conversations at home and at the bride, if we're really honest about it, that's what we want to be. 
That's what we want to do. That's what we want to bring to this world. We want to make a difference. Even if you shut your ears for that message and that pull that God puts inside of you, if you're really honest about it, you know there's something inside of you that says that you want to make a difference in this world. But how do you do it? So I want to ask you to page with me to Paul's first letter to Timothy. 1 Timothy, and we're going to read in chapter 2. And what I love about the Word of God, and particularly these letters in, in the New Testament, is that the letters are written to people who find themselves in terrible circumstances. If you go and look at the history and you go and look at the letters themselves and the circumstances that are shown through these letters, you find that if you compare our desperate situation, if you compare how difficult our circumstances are to what these people were going through, you'd rather say, thank you, God, that we have what we need to deal with and that we do not have what these people had to deal with. But that doesn't mean that what we're experiencing and what, what is affecting our lives is not real and that it's not serious and that God does not want to make a difference in it because it may not be as bad because what happens in our lives are real impactful things that makes a difference and makes it difficult not only for us, for the people that we love. And Paul writes this letter to his friend Timothy and he writes it just before he sends Timothy into a city called Ephesus. And what history tells us and what we can see comes through in the letter of Timothy is that there was a lack of leadership in this city. There was a lack of leadership in this church. There were terrible things going on. It was impacting the lives of the people in the church and impacting the lives and the people living in that city. And God had a specific mission for the church in Ephesus. But what had happened because of poor leadership and because people moving away from the way that Jesus showed them and what God called them to live, things were really deteriorating. So Paul writes this letter to his friend Timothy and he sends Timothy into this terrible situation as a believer and a follower of Jesus. And he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, you've got a mission. There's something that you can do. You can make a difference. And I'm going to tell you how you can make the difference. And that is the message that God has for each one of you this morning. To say that there is something specific that God wants you to do. This is not something that you have to wait for until the next time that you can make a cross on a voting ballot, there is something that God has for you to do, a mission. And there's purpose that you have, and it becomes really practical about what we can do. So join me, and we're going to read from 1 Timothy 2, from verse 1. And he says now, and this is Paul speaking to Timothy, and he says, first of all, so this is the first important the first most important thing he says to Timothy, he says, first of all then, Timothy, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, 
who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. This is the word of God. Father, thank you that um, we can open up your word, that we can read it, but more than that, that you speak to us through it. Will you speak to our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is Paul speaking to his friend Timothy, and he's really sending him out into a, a really dangerous zone, a war zone. And he's giving him a plan, he's giving him a mission, he's giving him a goal to work towards. And he's giving him a very particular way to do it. But we just come out of the series called The Upside Down Kingdom, where we looked at the, at the book of Mark. And from the first moment when you start looking at what Paul says to Timothy, you see there's something about this God that we serve that does things differently. Because in wanting Timothy to see to it that the circumstances in which he finds himself in to bring hope to that city, to that church that he wants him to change, he immediately places focus somewhere that we would not necessarily expect. And that's the same in your life, is that when once God gives you a mission and gives you a purpose and wants to give you hope and wants you to experience joy and wants you to experience something different and wants you to see him make you make a difference in the world around you, he also doesn't start the way that you think you should start. And he often expects us to put behind us what our own plans and our hopes are, and he says, but there's something that I want you to do. And what Paul says to Timothy, yeah, is, and what God is saying to each of us, he says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. He's saying that, you know, take the focus off yourself and take the focus off what you want to be different in your world and you start off by you praying for others. And if you think about what your circumstances are and how difficult it is and how stressed you are and anxious you are about where you find yourself in and where we find ourselves in, is that the most important thing is, is that first we start praying for all people. Not necessarily for things to change for us, but we pray for other people. And then he makes it even more difficult. He goes on and he says, for who should we pray? For all people, and then verse 2, for kings and all who are in high positions. So the question to each one of you is, not necessarily do you pray for kings and all in high places, but I want to ask you this morning, church, how much time do you spend complaining about, writing about, thinking about the inadequacies of our leaders and this government and this country, criticizing them, whether it's on a local or provincial or national level or things going on in the world, and how much time compared to that you spend praying for them? Because if I understand the word of God, God correctly. It says that everybody that's placed in government, in everybody that's placed to govern over us, whether they are good or bad, whether they are good or evil, whether they are good leaders or bad leaders, whether they lead us down the right path or the wrong path, all positions of authority has been placed over us by God. And we do not always understand it. We do not understand why He does it. We do not understand where He's going with this exactly, 
But we do know is that He placed them in that position over us. And what He expects of us here is not only to accept that and to respect them, but to pray for them. And all the more when things are not going as we want them to go, as was happening in the city of Ephesus, is that every time that we become aware of something that's not right or something, somebody that's doing something that they shouldn't be doing or somebody doing something stupid that we think is going down the wrong path, that our right response as followers of Jesus Christ is not to criticize them, is not to complain about them, is not to, to become negative, but our correct response, the biblical expectation is that you and I pray for them. And that's difficult. And that's difficult. And it doesn't mean that we have to accept everything that happens that is wrong. It doesn't mean that we condone it. Just like God doesn't condone the things that you do wrong and He expects you to change it, but He forgives it. And He does what He can to change you and to make you more like Jesus. So the same expectation is on each one of us. It's not to condone wrong behavior or even wrong leadership, but also not to sit around and criticize it, but to respect them as people who have been placed above us in positions of authority and to pray for them. Because God wants us to do that. Not because they deserve it or because we're such good people. But that is what God wants us to do. And then we start seeing something else. What happens? And it says, so we pray for kings and all who are in high positions. Why? That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Godly and dignified in every way. Who here wants to live a peaceful and godly life, dignified in every way, godly. I'm sure that if I had to ask each one of you initially, and I said to you, is that an expectation that you have for yourself? Is that, is that something that you want? Do you want to live a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way? I'm sure that each one of you will say to me, Etienne, yes, I want to live that. And what this is, is that there is a promise for you and for me that that is a life that we can live. But what we need to understand is, is that if we want to live such a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way, that there is something that God expects of us to do. And that is that we lay down our own lives. It is to say that God doesn't matter what's going on around me and what I see is that I'm not going to do things my way. I'm not going to sit around and criticize and complain and become negative and make other people around me negative, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for all people, and I'm going to pray for kings and everybody that's in high positions that's been placed above me because I want to live a quiet and peaceful life, godly and dignified in every way. And this is the right point for you to really ask yourself. If you think about the way you live your life, on the one hand, and whether it is peaceful and quiet and godly and dignified, on the other hand, you have to ask yourself, is there a connection between these two in my life? And if I'm not living a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified, and everything, does it have something to do with the way that I live my life and the decisions that I make and the attitudes of the heart that I have? And what do I need to change 
because I want to see and experience a different life to what I've been living. And then it goes on and it says, verse 3, it says, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. So you see, if we live this life that God calls on us to live, it is, God, it is good, and it is pleasing to Him. And that's what we want to do, right? We want to please God. We want to live good, good lives. But it means that we're going to have to start doing things differently. And then he goes on and he says, what is the motivation behind this attitude that God wants us to have? What is, this, what is the reason behind God wanting us to pray for other people, for kings and all in higher places, for us to live good and godly lives? He says the following, he says, God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You see, God wants us to live this life where we pray for other people, where we lay down our own dreams and our own wants and what we want to do in the world and our selfish desires. And He wants us to focus on other people and even focus on leaders because it is His will, it is His desire that all people, everybody, doesn't matter how good or bad they are, that they will come to the knowledge of the truth. And that they will be saved, just like you and I are. You see, and here comes the connection between us wanting to live in a city and in a province and in a country and a world that looks different. You see, that God's plan for this world is not a plan that is going to be brought in by a worldly government or a president or by a king or by a change in government or by the next political party or by your circumstances changing or by you having electricity all the time or you having running water all the time or you not having to pay taxes or things just going better or your roads being better. The way that God wants to change the world is because Jesus governs this world. He is the king of this world. But there are so many people that don't know him as their savior. And that is the way, the reason why this world looks like it is looking. It's not because at its root cause, it's not people being poor leaders and governors. At its root cause is they don't know the truth. And they've not been saved and the only reason why you and I have a different mindset and a different attitude is not because of what we've done, because we're so smart, because we're so clever. It is by God's grace that Jesus came into your life and He came into my life and He changed us and He's continuing to change us from the inside out. And so that we have a different mindset and so that we want to make a difference to everybody's lives around us and the world different. And that is how God changes this world for the better is not a new, fresh government, but it's by people changing because they meet Jesus through you. And that is what your mission is in this world. And if you live a life in that way where you put God first and you pray for other people and you put them first and you know that God's mission for you is to help in this world by spreading the love and the knowledge of the truth of what Jesus Christ came and did for each one of us, it is that you will see one person's life 
next to you changed. Somebody at work, somebody in your family, somebody that you meet in the streets, somebody in the shops, and that person goes on to meet somebody, and their lives are changed, and there are little pockets of change, and little pockets of people doing things differently, and we become so moved and so busy with seeing our own environment and our old world changes that we suddenly lose, you know, this being focused on all the negative things in this world, and become so pulled by the fact that God is changing this world through us and in our lives, that suddenly we become to a place where we live godly, quiet, peaceful lives that is pleasing to God. Because that is what our real heart's desire is. Not only for us to live comfortably, financially, and secure because of things working around us. How is this all possible? Verse 5, it says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. See, there's only one person that can fix things. There's only one person that can make things right. It is not somebody in parliament. It is not somebody in cabinet. It is not the president of this country. There's one person that can put things right, and it is God. And there's one person that can put things right between you and God and between people, and that is the only mediator, and that's Jesus Christ. Why can he do that? Because he gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Church, family, this is the proper time. This is the proper time for us to start living differently, even as followers, believers, Jesus Christ. This is the proper time for us to start praying for all people, for kings and those in high places. This is the proper time where we're no longer going to open our mouths to complain and to criticize, but we open our mouths to testify of the goodness of God and of His perfect plan for this world. And that is how we will see change. And that is how we will experience a life that is quiet, peaceful, and godly in every way. So in a few minutes, we're going we're gonna to have um, the communion. I'm going to ask the band to, to please come up. And um, before we're going to have communion... The last few times that I've been here where, where I spoke about the communion, I've, it's sort of been this, this repeating message. So if you've heard it before, I apologize, but I just can't get it out of my head. And this morning, it's so much more, I think, applicable in times like these where it's so difficult to be without hope. And it's, or it's so difficult to be, to have hope. It's so easy to feel hopeless. It's so easy to feel fear and anxiety. And it's so easy to lose focus of what our mission is. It's so easy to lose focus and to forget why you and I have been placed in this world. Because the reason is that you and I have become so 
battered by our circumstances. And every time that something bad happens in our, in our lives and we start to re react to it out of, uh, in our own selfish ways and our own sort of means of trying to fix things, we actually, you know, just veer all further and further from the path that God has given to us. And this morning, more than ever, I'm so aware of the fact that each one of you have got a specific mission that God has called you to. And that He has purpose for you. And that He created you to reflect His image in this world. And I start with myself this morning because if I look at the way that I live my life and the things that come out of my mouth and the thoughts that go through my head and I ask myself, but Etienne, does that reflect God's image? Does that reflect His goodness, His hope of salvation? Does that reflect His, His strength, the fact that He does miracles, the fact that He can change any circumstances, the fact that He knows everything, the fact that He cares. I have to be honest with myself, as in my life doesn't look that way. And this morning is a call for us that more than anything to come back to the purpose that God has for us in this world. Where you live, in your house, in your street, in your area, your city, place where you work, place where you go to study, place where you hang out with your friends, you're called to reflect God's image in this world. And Jesus, before you went, he said he's going to make a place ready for each one of us. And that's the hope that we can hold on to. That's what we can look forward to. That we're not going to live in a perfect world now, but we're going to live in a perfect world one day. And if you wonder why you're not living in the perfect world, ask yourself, are you perfect? Because none of us are. And the reason why this world is not perfect is because each one of us is not perfect. But we serve a perfect God, a perfect King, a perfect Savior, a perfect Lord, a perfect leader. Do you want to submit to Him this morning? Not only your life in the sense that you say with words, but I submit myself to you, Jesus. But are you willing to submit all the plans and the things that you want to do in this world and your thoughts and the way you speak? Will you submit all of that to Him? And as we're going to enjoy communion now, I want to really ask you to pray into this as a family or as friends. To ask God, what is it that you need to change in your life? If you listen to these words that Paul gave to Timothy this morning, what is it that you can go out today and you can start applying immediately in your life and the way you speak and the way you pray and the way you think and the way you are with people in what you take into your head through your phone or through the newspapers or whatever it is that you read or watch on your television or what it is. What is it that you need to change in your life? Jesus said that as he sat down and he broke that bread and he, and, he, and, he, and he took the wine, he said, as often as you can, come together and be reminded of what I did for you. Think of my body that was broken. That's what this bread is representing. 
is Jesus' body that was broken for you. So that it doesn't matter what happens and goes through this world. We can be battered, bruised, and beaten. But we know that because He did what He did for us, we will remain whole. We'll remain standing. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are that we go through. There's nothing that can stop me and you. There's nothing in this world that can break us. Not because we're so great, but because we serve a great God. He spoke about the wine and he spoke about it representing his blood that cleanses us from all sin. And we need it as a country and we need it as people. But we particularly need it as followers of Jesus this morning. Say, God, come and clean me from this life that I've been living and these thoughts that I've been thinking and the things that I've been saying and the decisions I've been taking. And help me to get back on the mission that you have for me. to get back what I've been sharing over and over again about the communion just struck me as Jesus said he says you know as he had communion with his disciples he said we must do it and he says you will not have it again until the day that he's going to have it with us in heaven and what a glorious hope is that to hold on to you know Jesus is sitting there expectantly for his father to say to him Jesus the time has come to come back Go and fetch my bride. And we're going to have communion together in heaven. And that's the hope that we have to hold on to. But there are a lot of people that are going to miss out on that. Unless you and I get on board with the mission that God has for us. So I'm going to invite you up. There's a table here and there's a table outside. And um, have communion together as family. Pray into this. And I'm then going to end off with us, uh, for us with a, with a prayer. So Come, come forward, please. Amen. And, um, while we were all waiting to take communion, Renita came to me and she um, has got a word from God that she wants to share. So, thank you, Renita. Hello, everyone. Um, so, while we were preparing for communion, I just felt God said He wanted to say something. And He said, Ephesians 14... Ephesians 4, verse 14 and 15. So I don't know exactly what the message is, but God's word can speak for itself. So, uh, verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is, Christ. Thanks, Anita. Let's close our eyes. Father, thank You that, that You speak, that You've spoken this morning. Thank You for this word also that You give through Renita, Father. Thank You that there's a promise for us, There's a, but also a command that we should stop being like children. We should stop being, allowing ourselves to be tossed forward and backward farther through wrong thinking and teaching and opening our ears to the wrong things, but that we must be mature in you, Jesus, that you are the head, that we can submit to you and that we can trust you and that we can follow you sound and safe in the knowledge that you say the last word. 
that you'll have the last word. And thank you that we can look forward, Father, as we in this world live lives, Father, that um, resonates your message, Father, that displays your image, Father, as we pray for other people, for kings in all other in all in high places, Father. As we submit our lives to you, as we proclaim the message and the good news that we do it sound in the knowledge, Father, that it is your will that each person will come to the knowledge of the truth and that they will be saved. And that is your plan for this world and we can be part of that. And we thank you for that. I pray for everyone here this morning, Father, that you will continue to walk with them and show them what it is that you want to change in their lives, Father, that they will not try and do it out of their own strength, but that they will repent, that they will turn to you, and that they will then do deeds in accordance with their repentance. And will you help us with that? We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.